Before we get started, I want to remind you about our friends over at the Macklemore. My buddies and I are headed up there for our annual golf trip in just a couple of weeks, and I absolutely cannot wait. The Macklemore is a beautiful community resort and golf course just 35 minutes outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, up on Lookout Mountain. Folks, go online to themacklemore.com to check out what a wonderful golf course and other amenities they have available for you up there. The new clubhouse and bar opened up last fall. Folks, you got to see this place to believe it. The golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. Our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. And Golf Digest agreed, oh, by the way, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. See why they're all saying that by checking out the course and the resort online at themaclemore.com. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Two Under. Two Under men's performance briefs are the official underwear of the 2021 U.S. Ryder Cup team, the captain and all vice captains. They are worn by more than 30 players on the PGA and Champions Tour. They are also worn by over 70 NCAA Division I colleges and 17 NFL teams. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort, fit, and performance from the golf course to the boardroom to the bedroom. Find these two underperformance men's briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shields sports stores, PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Galaxy, and other fine retailers near you. Go online to twounder.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R.com. Two underperformance in your pants. Use code on the T20 for a 20% discount at checkouts. Not valid on items already on sale or NCAA license brief. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends over at TaylorMade with their TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw? Check. Low fade? Check. Bump and run? Out of the sand or flop shot? Guess what? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better than all of the rest, and that's the new TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With their newly redesigned dimple pattern that decreases drag and increases lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter the shot. So whether you need to hit it high over the trees, under or even through them, hit TP5 or TP5X, the one ball designed to handle it all. Check them out online by going to TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information. All right, now back in making his 50th appearance with me tonight here on Next on the Tee is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. Tom is now getting settled into his new summer location up at Farmington Country Club in Charlottesville, Virginia. So if you're anywhere near Virginia, West Virginia, Washington, D.C., any of those areas, and you want to get lessons from one of the top instructors in the game who's going to help you win at whatever level you compete at, even if you're like me and all you're competing for is dinner from your buddies, right? At the end of the round, you're playing for the drinks, you're playing for a $20 NASA, or you're playing for them to pay for your dinner that night. Tom Patry's your guy. If you can't go see Tom in person, you can download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your golf swing, and he can help get you dialed in through the app. Please check out his website, TomPatry.com, and subscribe to his newsletter while you're on there. You can also subscribe to his YouTube channel and watch over 150 free playing lessons on there. Be sure to give him a follow on social media on Twitter and Instagram, at TomPatryGolf, and it's always an honor to have TP as part of the show. Good evening for the 50th time, my friend. I can't believe I've let you be a part of the show that many times, but glad to have you back. How are you, my friend? Missy boy. <laughs> 50 times, TP, tonight. Can you believe it? 
Right? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right. That's what I'm saying. I, you for 50 shows. I, I can't do 50 shows with you. Jesus, God, <laughs> why do, why do I, you put up with me I, for 50 shows. Why do I do this wow. to myself? Why do I do this? Long day in the lesson team. Long day in the lesson team. And then I got to put up with you for, for half an hour. Come on. Seriously. <laughs> It's because you're a Yankee fan and you really aspire to be a Red Sox fan. So you're trying to be more like me. So you keep coming up. Dude, let me, let me, and I, let me, and I applaud you for that, my friend. If it was my dying breath, I wouldn't be a Red Sox fan. A dying breath, just, you know. Okay? <laughs> oh, 50 times and it's always an honor. Far- Farmington Country Club, my friend. Good for all of the folks up in the Virginia, West Virginia, Washington, D.C. area getting to have a superstar like you. To now be out on the practice range with. Good for them. How's it going? Dude, dude, superstar play. Let's, let's be Keith Carey. Superstar thing. I'm just, uh, an old problem, but man, an old problem. It's, um, it's really going good. It's, um, it's a wonderful place. It's, a, it's an incredibly historic place. I didn't, you know, I, I knew the Jefferson influence. I didn't really understand how much of an influence he had at the facility, uh, the, the piece of property, I should say, back in the day. The history is incredible, and I'm a big history buff, Chris. It's been really fun. Uh, there is, actually is a club historian. Um, I got a tour from the general manager when I first got here. Some of the stories about the early days of, of property and what went on, incredible. Uh, very, very cool stuff. Um, and the golf course itself, 1929 Fred Finley, I've played twice now. Really, really good. Beautiful piece of property, beautiful layout. It flows beautifully, good bunkering. High shot value, great practice facility, huge, huge training center. It's really, it's really cool, cool place. Well, like I say, those folks are incredibly lucky to have a guy like you to now instruct them and uh, and improve their golf game. So kudos to everybody up in the in the Charlottesville area. Go see Tom Patrick. Go see him at Farmington Country Club because your game is going to immediately improve. Tom has got so many great uh, stories about the players that he has spent some time with and are now winning, like I say, championships all up and down, whether it's, uh, you know, in, in an organized tournament or it's just, in, you know, as a club champion, those sorts of things. Tom, I know you've had a couple of more success stories from even from your folks that you helped out last summer down in Indiana. Share a couple of the success stories you've had with your students recently. First of all, Chris, the check's in the mail. I'll get to check out right away with you. Thanks, I I've got I've got a young man in Indiana right now that uh, just just won his conference championship. Uh, Maverick Conaway, he's doing a great job. He's been with me a little bit over a year now. Um, young young high school player, really hits it a mile. Great great looking golf swing. Uh, he's he's going to be a pretty good one. Uh, he's working hard. Um, and then just by coincidence, the girl he dates is also a student of mine. She actually came to me first, uh, and she won. The, let me get this straight. She won the league, the conference, the county, and the state last year as a freshman. So quite wow. a duo. Um, yeah, so they're, they're both pretty good players. And Jack Lewack is playing better again in New York. Um, yeah, so we, we've got some people playing nicely, some young people playing nicely. It's been fun. Tom, I, I want to switch gears now. and. Um... If you heard me go. in the rant at the Here top of the show, um, this whole thing with the NCAA and the women's regional tournament last week in Baton Rouge has really got me fired up. I hate it for these kids 
the things that uh, that got taken away from a lot of them is just ridiculous in my mind. They they, they had to come up with a better result than uh, than what they did. I don't know your your thoughts on that story. Well, Chris, the only thing wrong with your rant is it wasn't strong enough. I mean, as strong as it was, you know, I, I, I was a college player, and if you had told me my senior year that I traveled to a site, I got to the site, I was prepared to play at the site, and and then you told me that, listen, uh, these six teams are going to advance. You're not going to even go home. Forget about it. And it's because of the weather. In the meantime, the sun's out, and I'm looking out on the practice range, and there are other players, uh, you know, of a, of a different gender practicing at the same time you're calling the event. And there's not an alternative plan of some kind other than just granting six people, six teams a pass. You would have had to pull me off somebody. I mean, that's the most ridiculous, stupid, upside down, idiotic call in the history of college sports. It's, it's, those, those, whoever made that decision, whether it was the committee in that region, for the NCAA themselves, they should be ashamed of themselves to take the opportunity to compete away from people who have worked their asses off the entire season to get to that regional and then just pull it, pull the rug out from underneath them. Listen, Chris, you, so you push it back a day. Or you gather the coaches and say, listen, to car, you know, there's, there's Alabama's close by, Auburn's close by, Georgia's close by, Mississippi State is close by. And if you go if you go west, Texas A and M is close by. You're gonna tell me you can't travel within one day's time and push it back a date and find another site if not the site you're at currently. They they didn't explore all the options. They made a quick decision. They made the wrong decision, and and they they robbed the chance to compete from people who have worked so hard for so long to play at that level at to make a random decision like that is absolutely shameful. Yeah. As you heard, obviously, in my rant, I, I 100% agree with that. And for those poor seniors who were getting sort of their last opportunity to make a run at a national championship, whether it was individually or collectively as a team, to be standing there on those steps, to your point, to hear that ripped away from them. And oh, by the way, for some of those teams that weren't in the top six, career's over now. That's it. You're done. Thank you. Right, And they get to go back and, and not have that chance. And I agree with you on the seniors, but and that's true. But even a junior, a sophomore, a freshman, you only have four chances to compete at that level. Four years, you have four chances. Okay, so you took one of you took twenty five percent, or fifty percent, or seventy five percent, depending on what year you were, of their chances away from them. Okay, guess what? That's 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 criminal. That's criminal. I mean. I'll give you an example. My my junior year, I finished second in the Division II National Championship. And I left that with a sting, losing by one shot. And luckily, luckily, very luckily, I went back the next year and I won. What if I had finished second by a shot and the next year I got to the site and they said, oh, by the way, Tom, you're not playing this year. And that had never happened. They'd just taken away from me like that. That's ridiculous. It's it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely unconscionable to me. I'm not sure who I despise more, the NCAA or the USGA. It's 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 a close it's a close race right now. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit because now we're in PGA Championship week, and one of the things I wanted to get your thoughts on, Tom, 
Speaking of the USGA and how they've butchered several of the U.S. Opens, they, they've gotten it right the last couple of times, but we know of the, the struggles that they've had over the years. We never hear the same sort of struggle coming out of the PGA. We don't hear about the course being set up too difficult. We don't hear about losing greens. We don't hear about any of the ridiculousness that seems to be associated, again, not annually, but, but semi-annually with the USGA. Why can the PGA get it right, but the USGA frequently gets it wrong? Very simple, Chris. You can't have amateurs run professional events, okay? Amateurs behave like amateurs. I'm sorry, okay? So the USGA, if they were smart, and they're not smart, by the way, not even close to being smart, okay? They had their golf IQ is not very high. How's that? Quote me on that, okay? So <laughs> what they should do is take the PGA Tours field staff and let them run the event either in front of the camera or behind the camera, and they can put on their blue blazers and beat their chest and walk around and call it their event, but let professionals run the event. And by the way, not just the U.S. Open, the U.S. Amateur, the U.S. Women's Open, the U.S. Senior Open, the Women's Senior Amateur, and I can keep on going, the USGA Junior, let professionals run the event. Okay, you're not qualified, USGA. You don't get it right. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this this year's event, this this week's event, I should say, at the PGA Championship, being played at the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island in South Carolina. Kiowa, I just learned this as I was doing all the research, Tom, is has more seaside holes than any course in the country. It's going to play almost 7,900 yards this week, which is the longest in major championship history. Being right there on the ocean, we would expect wind to be a factor. And you have a lot of experience playing in similar conditions from your time up on Long Island, your time down in Florida. What are you expecting to see this week at Kiowa? Well, let me back up a little bit because I, I played a pro-am at Kiowa um, the year it opened. Uh, and, and and arguably, maybe the golf course is a little bit softer in its difficulty than then. There have been some areas that have been cleared out, but not much, not, but not much easier. Trust me, not much. And I played, I was probably 30, I'm trying to remember, 32 or 33 years old. I was still playing really good golf at that point in my life. Um, and I remember playing from a modest length the first time I played it with this pro-am situation uh, with three members from Westchester Country Club. And the wind was blowing a little bit, and I played really good. I mean, I really hit it good, really pitched and chipped and putted it good, managed it good. I mean, I played really, really good and shot 76. I'm thinking to myself, and I, I just stopped playing full-time the year before. I thought to myself, holy smoke. I mean, I just played – I mean, I just felt like I shot 65 and shot 76. This place is hard. Um the the exhibition Rory put on in 2012 was nothing short of phenomenal. The golf course has clearly been lengthened since then. I hope and pray to God that 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 Terry Hegg has, has the wherewithal not playing in its full length. Although they've said publicly that they should they do expect it to play at least 7,600 yards. Can you imagine 7,600 yards in the wind, Chris, on that golf course? And there are places oh. on that golf course where there is, there are places on that golf course where there is nowhere to hide. I mean, nowhere to bail out, nowhere to hide. You have to, you have to, you have to golf your ball for 18 holes. I'll tell you what: if the wind blows out there at 7,600, 
there will be some carnage out there. There will be some real carnage. But, uh, you know, somebody somebody's going to come through on Sunday, obviously, and survive. No win, no win, couple under, you know, if it blows gets, and it gets ugly. I can't even guess what the, what the number is going to be like. So in those conditions, let's, let's assume that they're going to get some wind out there. Is, does that favor the bombers, or does that eliminate the majority of the field and the guys that hit it the longest are going to be the ones at the top of the leaderboard, or, or could wind be a neutralizer? Where no, no matter who you are, you're not going to be able to to do well. And the guys that can, as you say, control their golf balls, Mr. Short Game, Short Game, Short Game, right? Those guys that can get it around the green, get it up and down, those are the guys that are going to have more of an opportunity to win. No, so if, if it plays that long and it's windy, Chris, uh, there's going to be a lot of greens that are going to be missed. And and the and the up and downs on that golf course, and the runoffs on that golf course, and the tight lines on that golf course, and then the bad areas. That Post the greens on the golf course are going to require a lot of creativity. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily a bomber. I think it's a guy that drives the ball relatively straight. And I don't mean, I don't think a short hitter can necessarily win there, but relatively straight. Guy keeps the ball or fights the ball very well. And a guy who has an awful lot of patience for four days and realizing that there are going to be some roller coaster rides during the four days and can really, can, you know, can really do some magical things around the green. Um, you know, when you have that many talented people that get together at one site, because somebody is going to get hot, somebody's going to do some magical things with wedges and putters. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think it has to be a bomb. No. Um, remember, if I, and correct me if I'm wrong, was it at, was it at Aaron Hills that Brian Harmon finished second to Justin Thomas? Hmm. Is that am I am I is that right? Somebody, I don't know. I'd have to look that one up. I'm not sure right off the top. It was either Aaron Hills or help me with the other place out west that they played. That um, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking. Whistling straight. Brian Har- yeah, it wasn't whistling straight. But Brian Harmon was checking that on a golf course that was incredibly long. And, and Brian Harmon hits it about same distance I hit it, which is not not very far. Um, so he did that with with a tremendous amount of patience and control in four days, and you know a great short game. So. You know, we could have somebody sneaky like that to creep in there. Um, you know, if it's really windy, really, really windy, a lot of those Europeans are used to those conditions probably more so than our boys are. You know, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see somebody, you know, a little bit out of the box, do something, do something special. You know, and you know, you know who played, if I'm not mistaken, you played well there last time at Rory one also was Poulter. Right. And, and Poulter, you know, is, is not necessarily a long player. You know, so I wouldn't write those players off right now. If, you know, as you said, you used a great your great phrase there. It could be a neutralizer, Chris. And by the way, you were right. 2017 at Aaron Hills, Brian Harmon finished second to Kepka four strokes. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 thought I, remember, I thought I remember that. Yeah. And, he, so, and by the way, he's playing great this year. Yes, he is. Talking about it being a neutralizer, when I think of someone like a Bryson DeChambeau, who we just saw carry the ball 368 yards this past week at the Byron Nelson, with his ball in the air for as long as it is, at the apex yeah. that it is, and I think it's, he gets it up there 145-ish or so, to me, that's almost not good. Right? You're giving the wind more time, more opportunity to blow the ball off course. 
So I would think someone like a Bryson would have to change their trajectory. And I know these guys are great at knowing, you know, what, what groove to hit it off of and all of that sort of thing. But it seems like he would have to change a little bit, which would, I would think, kind of take him down a few notches in the, in the favorites list just because of how far he hits it and how long the ball's in the air. Is that my off base there? I, I want to see, I want to see Bryson DeChambeau try to overpower Q Island in the ocean course. <laughs> I want to see, I want to, I want to see that. I want to see four days of him trying to, matter of fact, if he, if he does it for the first few days of that, that game plan, we might not have to see him four days and put up with that nonsense. Let's talk about somebody else. Ricky Fowler. And I know that we're all rooting for Ricky to find it, but he missed the cut again this past weekend at the Byron Nelson. Where I don't know if Kiowa Island is the place you're going to go find it, but your thoughts on Ricky Fowler and, and how we can help Ricky get back to being one of the top players in the world again. Christian, you, you've gotten to know me pretty well over the last couple of years, and you know that probably from from a from a, a philosophical standpoint, from a lifestyle standpoint, I'm probably the furthest thing in the world from Ricky Fowler. But for some reason, I love Ricky Fowler. I, I've I've fallen in love with the kid. He's got great moxie. I mean, he's he's entertaining. Uh, the commercials make me laugh. He's he's clearly a very talented person. But Ricky Fowler right now is lost. He is he's lost and and you know I I don't understand going back a ways I don't understand going to and then leaving Butch so quickly I thought Butch was doing a really good job with them I thought he had them moving in the right direction um, he was playing well and he was trending correctly and then you know he's he's off uh, sudden gone somewhere else so I, I, I you know I, I don't have any any insight into the camp of Ricky Fowler it, it's a very very curious thing to me. But he right now he's lost, and you're right. I, if you, you know, you're not going to find the Q Islands. That's not the place you're going to find it. Boy, you know what? I I want to be wrong. I want to see him do something miraculous. But I I I think the thing is really, you know, the, the wheels are off the track right now, and it's it's not it's not good, not good at all. Tom, I want to get a couple of playing lessons before I let you go tonight, and for our listeners that play a lot of coastal golf and they deal with headwinds and they deal with the winds coming left to right or right to left. What are some tips that you can give us to be more successful, particularly if we're on the tee and we're, or we're hitting an approach shot where we've got a stiff headwind, what do we need to do in order to overcome that? You know, Chris, it, it really love this topic because I grew up on the East end of Long Island, that's Chris Chinnacock and, you know, the East and Long Island, it blows all the time. And, you know, we played high school golf back then, way back then, 100 years ago, you know, in the early spring. We started in, in, in early March. It could still be snowing at times, and, and the wind was howling. And, and it was never a place where the wind really calmed down. It blew all year round. And, and then I moved to Florida to play my college golf, and guess what? It blows in Florida, too, by the way. So I've played my whole life uh, in the winter and competed some overseas, and, and, and you know, in, in Europe where it blows. and I'm one of the few people probably that when I, when I competed, I wanted it to blow because I, I knew how to play those shots. And back then it was instinctive. I just did things instinctively because I didn't have the, any, any money or funding for lessons. So I had to learn how to hit those shots. And my two, my two favorite coaches back then were Dr. Trial and Mr. Error. Um, but you know, you know, I learned things like ball position. I learned things like 
choking down with the call by running things like abbreviating my follow through, like holding the follow through down and cutting it off and, you know, taking, you know, taking another club or another two clubs and reducing the speed of my swing so I could reduce the spin on the ball so it wouldn't rise so much into the wind or be affected so much in crosswinds. So those are all things I learned instinctively. And then later on by teachers that I met later on in my life were confirmed that I actually had gotten it right, you know, almost instinctively. So it was a lot of trial and error for me, but you know, your ball position is a factor. The, the, the length you grip the club at is a factor. Holding off your foul through, not making, you know, Harvey Pennick used to say low finish, low ball, high finish, high ball. Um, things like that were very, very instinctive and natural for me. Um, but it, it's certainly something you want to be able to do uh, if, if you live in a coastal area or if you're traveling on vacation to coastal areas. Um, it's something that you don't just suddenly pick up, you know, and try on the third hole your next round. It's something you go to the range and you practice hitting those types of shots uh, to get used to them. Um, but, man, there's so much fun to hit. And the, create, the creativity of playing in the wind, you know, my time in the 90s that I got to spend with Seve was, was uh, eye-opening, too, because he took it to a whole other level as far as some of the things I just described. And, and it was great to be around him because he validated so many things I believed in and had instinctively done as a, as a young player. Um, but those shots are so much fun to hit. And playing in those conditions are fun. I don't, I don't shy away from playing in the wind ever. I, I think that that kind of golf is just terrific. For those of us that have control of our golf ball and we're comfortable being able to fade it or hook it uh, on demand, if you're faced with a crosswind, left to right, right to left, whatever, are you a proponent of, riding the wind and let the wind carry the ball or or do you prefer to kind of cut it or hook it into the wind so it gets held up a little straighter? What, what is a better way for those of us that have the ability to control it like that? Chris, you just showed me how high, how much higher your golf IQ has gotten since I first met you. That's a great question, Chris. <laughs> I, I would also use wow. um, and I am impressed, Ms. Carol. That is really good. Um, I think that's a great question. I think that that's a preference question. I know a lot of really good players that I've played with and either against or coached currently who like to shape the ball up against the wind and hold it against the wind. Um, I, I, I don't have the ability to hit the ball both ways. I've always hit a little bit of a cut, and, and that's my go-to shot. That's my comfort zone. I can draw it, but I really have to work hard, and under pressure, it's not a shot that I would necessarily go to under pressure. So I've always I've always ridden them, um, but I think there are, you know there are horses for courses in that to answer that question. I think that there are guys that you know can turn the ball both ways that are very talented. And by the way, guys that really can control the ball and make it go both ways, there aren't a lot of those guys out there. There are most guys out there play play a go-to shot, especially when they're having trouble with their oxygen supply, and they and they got to get into the house without <laughs> doing something silly. So. You'll see most guys going to their comfort shot and, and they'll, you know, they'll try to probably ride the wind if they can. Um, the guys that can go both ways in there, they're, they're, you can probably count them. I mean, guys that can truly go both ways on command, you can probably count them on one hand, uh, on, in, in real, real terms of pressure. Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners about your YouTube channel and all the great videos you've uploaded uh, to that channel recently. Chris, on tonight, tonight's show being our 50th anniversary, I'm not going to remind them anything about me. What I'm going to use this time for is to tell people out there that 
what you've done for golf, what you've done for an incredible number of us as teachers. You know, the players, the players you have on there know that they're successful. They've kind of made it. You've given so much opportunity to so many of us to teach the game, to expose ourselves, uh, and give us a platform to speak on uh, and speak to. Um, we owe you a debt of gratitude, every one of us. You know, so many of the teachers you've had on, you know, are good friends of mine uh, that we've connected through together in some in some cases separately, but that, that, that are you know, so many of them are people I really have a tremendous amount of respect for. And you've given all of us a platform to expose ourselves to, you know, literally a mass of listeners that, that follow you because of who you are. So this time is being used to say thank you to Chris Mascaro by not just Tom Patrick, but I'm sure that any one of those teachers that I'm talking about would echo my sentiments, and, and we really appreciate what you do for us. Oh, well, I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you very much for that. It means a great deal to me, as do you. You're the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for 50 times. That's a lot of times coming on and being a part of this show, and you've made every one of them better. <laughs> my man. Take care, TP. All the best to uh, to you and the family, and uh, certainly now everyone up in Charlottesville at Farmington Country Club. They're lucky to have you. Thanks, Chris. I love you, buddy. Good night. See you, TP. That's a great Tom Patry. TomPatry.com is the website. P-A-T-R-I at Tom Patry Golf on Instagram and Twitter is how to follow him. And Tom Patry's uh, YouTube channel, folks, 150 videos on there for free that you can look at and uh, and improve your game. Tom is an absolute gem. I love that guy. And uh, we certainly look forward to he'll be back in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to that. 